Welcome back, Bucks and Does. Yo, yo, yo. We are back for our fifth episode of Vertex Outdoors podcast. I am Andy, and with me today is Andrew. We are going to do a little chatting today about season, uh, as far as starting with the opener, our rutcation, going into late season, and kind of what we're doing in the off season. So I guess we'll get cracking here. Yes, yeah, so the last uh, podcast we... We're going right into our rutcations, so we're just going to pick up where we left off. Um, you know, going into that, we were getting ready to go in check out a new uh, state land spot. Yeah. Uh, that has, we have our yeah we'd rifle hunted it, but hadn't archery hunted it. Um, so we had cameras out, thought everything was setting up to be a good spot. Not that it wasn't a good spot, but the activity was a little off from what we expected. Um, granted, we'd got in there much later than we really had hoped. Uh, it was into November till we got in there, which actually we thought was going to set up. We thought it would work out as a better rut spot than, you know, than early season. Um, got in there and kind of found out that that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, just due to a lack of time like because we kind of all discovered the spot together so we wanted to hunt it together um, rather than one person being greedy and and I think the hindsight is one person <laughs> should have been greedy um, so we had trail cameras set up for whatever reason had some just technological error yeah I mean we didn't uh, have any pictures really <laughs> well the camera said that we had a couple hundred pictures and then popped card in the sd reader and it didn't Nothing. show anything so whether uh, the car got itself got wet or damaged or what happened there we have no idea or whether the camera was just showing a random number of pictures that didn't actually exist or or what we we still don't know we still have yet to look at those pictures because we can't so that's always fun. Yeah. But at any rate, we got in there. Um, just like a refresher, this is a spot we found some buck beds in the spring. Um, actually, there was beds for basically every different wind direction. Um, so found the core area of a buck. Don't know exactly if it was, you know, how big it was or whatever. Um, so we were giving that a go. Um, and really, I guess... From what we could tell is we got in there a little bit too late or not late enough. I guess depends on you could go either way with that. Um, we were in there at a time when that buck was not really in there. He was already out cruising. Um, and being that it is state land, um, like state forest mountain land, um, and it's not a super high deer density, I think if we would have been closer to peak rut we might have been okay just because there would have been that much more cruising activity um, or the opposite end of the spectrum basically since we knew it was a buck area um, basically hit that right away before he left that core area um, was kind of kind of the main takeaways from it so it's just you know kind of adjusting to that you know there is is adjusting to the terrain and stuff like that because unfortunately where that particular spot was at is uh not very easy to access but you what your first sit there was your encounter no well i had my first sit was in the morning and i didn't i had a single fawn underneath me for i don't know probably 35 minutes and I tried everything I could to yeah. discreetly get her to leave me alone because at that point, I mean, I just wanted to be able to move and get comfortable, but she was right there and I didn't want to blow out the whole top of the mountain and she was not anywhere near big enough to warrant shooting on or mature enough, especially being the first day out there, first thing in the morning. So... When she finally bugged out and we got down for our midday, kind of regroup, see what we learned, readjust as needed, I ended up moving to a different spot a little further down the mountain. And it was the silliest situation <laughs> you could really ever have in a tree stand. I mean, I moved my stand, got in, getting all my bag hung, my bow hanger hung, all that fun stuff, go to pull my bow up and 
couldn't get it up. It was, my pull string was wrapped around every branch and every climbing stick I had attached to the tree. When I climbed up, it just wasn't a good situation where I guess, where I had it attached to myself to get to the, get up in the stand and ended up having to climb back down, which you never want to do to begin with. Got it all untangled and no sooner did my feet hit the stand, a buck came cruising in and there was my bow laying on the ground when it came to 25 yards full broadside and I mean looking back I could have tried to pull it up but it would have been a crap shoot to try and get a shot at that point anyway so I waited till he kind of moseyed out and around me and then tried to run him back to me he stopped and turned but never actually came back down he probably thought to himself well I know there's nothing there I was just there so that was a fun situation and definitely made took a little bit of the wind out of my sails but also at the same time put some in because it was good cruising activity so kind of got excited hoping that there'd be some more following but that was the only buck i saw that day really those were the only two deer was, i saw that day that was the only shooter buck that anybody had an encounter with too um well no i had that second one but it wasn't really i don't know that one's hard to call a full encounter we were, the next morning we were getting down and we had to cut out a little early for some family obligations and getting down, pulling my stand, get my stand on the ground, packing everything up and Ethan looks over and says, Willie, there's a big buck coming in, grab your bow. Because he had put his, all his gear down a couple hundred yards away because we were headed back to the same place. And, and walks this stinking buck and... He was definitely a shooter, just never had an opportunity at him. I mean, I gave him my grunt call and rangefinder, and he was going to do all the, the leg work, and I was going to reap the rewards. And he grunted nothing, grunted nothing, and he snort-wheezed at him, turned, raked a tree real hard for a little bit, and thought to ourselves, all right, it's game on. This bad boy's about to come walking right in, and... I mean, he was at probably 45, 50 yards, which is a makeable shot for me, but there was just so much stuff in between us. I never saw any part of him other than the, basically his head and neck and part of his rack. I couldn't even see the full rack because of how much was in between us. But, and then he ended up, I'm assuming he caught our wind and then just kind of, I mean, he didn't blow out, but he definitely just disappeared on us, so... He was on the downwind side of a bedding area from us, and <clears throat> just kind of the way it goes sometimes. Right scenario, wrong time. Yeah. Unfortunately, sometimes you just got to dip out a little early. So. Yeah. So you hunt hunt what you can and hope that it works, and that, I guess in a sense it almost worked. But Yeah, I mean, if he had come through, I don't know, 15 minutes earlier, or if we had been there another, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes... Right. There is a good possibility that I could have, I mean, I wouldn't have had a shot from the tree, but I'd at least had a better look at him and had possibly the potential that any scent would blow over him and be able to pull him in a little tighter. But, you know, it is what it is. And now we're just going, going from there. <clears throat> yeah. So all in all, I mean, I think that spot, like while we didn't harvest something, I mean, we definitely learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when you're on a rotation, you only want, like you kind of have to strategically think about where you're going to spend time. So we had already planned to spend more time in an area where we <clears throat> not necessarily were more familiar with, but in a sense that was the case. But we also knew for sure that there was, you know, shooter bucks running around there. Right. Um, so, but so we hunted that what two. Two and a half days or two? A day and a half. A day and so a half. So one full day and then the next morning. So not really a lot to work with there. Um, but I think for what we had to go on and for, I mean, I think we hunted it correctly. Like we would do a morning sit, adjust according to what we saw or however the wind had shifted and stuff like that. So, and I think some of that was a tough part. I, we didn't really have ideal winds. Because they, they kind of ended up swirling more than anything. But. Yeah. 
they were definitely very but, bulk. But we definitely we... worked with what we had. Um, so that was, yeah, basically if we could have got in there earlier in the year, I think maybe even late October probably would have been pretty good when they're basically laying down all their rubs and being rubs more and territorial. And... Kind of doing their outline of their territories and that sort of thing. I think that probably would have been a, a good time frame as well. But again, it just kind of played out that way because of work schedule and trying to get in there at the same time. Um, but overall, I mean, even as far as rut activity is concerned, um, for as late, because obviously we had our rutcation, what was that, first week in November into that yeah. second weekend. So basically middle um, of the week through yeah, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we hunted that last weekend as well and just yep. I mean the activity the rut activity was just not not what I had seen in the past. Like I didn't see a single chase or even hint at a chase take place. No, this I mean year. Um, all the does that I saw did not have any bucks with them. Um, so that like I mean just as far as rut activity goes, I don't know if it came on hot and heavy like last week somewhere. I don't know. I mean, I um, saw those two crews in Buck, and that was. I mean, I, mean, I heard really. plenty of people saying about seeing chasing bucks, but um, it just all was not where we were at. Yeah. So it was, which naturally led to a little bit less visual. Um, actual like nice buck sightings like uh, that you know along with not seeing the rutting activity I didn't see near the shooter bucks that I normally see um, which with the one property that um, I hunt the area that generally holds does really didn't have didn't have hardly any does um, so it's just that was a big thing, and I think that was actually, before we get carried away, that was another thought I wanted to talk about for that state land spot, is, uh, like, when we go into it again, if we go into it again, like, if we can get on does, basically... Hunt the does. If we're going to hunt it closer to the rut time frame, put more of an effort into finding does. Um, right. Which, who knows, maybe we could have done had we got some kind of intel off our trail cameras but we put what three out um one didn't have much of anything on it which that one was just kind of set on top of the mountain yeah um kind of on a crossover trail from the yeah, north to south side see, see how they were transitioning from one side of the mountain to the other um that's that's pretty much a guessing game because you're picking one trail but that would have been a um you know, if we could have got up there maybe at least one more time in the spring, I think that would have helped out a lot. Yeah, spring or summer. Try and, try and target some, some doe bedding or even just doe groups to see where they're traveling at. Um, but, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest takeaway um, or shortcoming that I think I did this season was maybe not, not hunting the doe groups because there was one one particular area of the farm where I knew the does were at. Um, and since, like, hind, I mean, obviously, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. Probably the best scenario would have been to find a stand location for, like, every wind around that doe bedding area. Because um, we, uh, like, that particular area, what was it, southwest wind, wind out of the southwest, blowing to, like, the north. Yeah. It's pretty much anything with a north um, would have been the ideal wind. So, um, you know, basically just putting more of an effort into find stand locations for for different winds since that, even that particular spot was where most of the activity was out on cameras and all that good stuff. Yep. So, which, I mean, ended up being where I shot my buck anyway, but. Yeah, which was a kind of a cool situation for you i mean yeah i don't know i mean definitely not well it was anticipated it was going. cool <laughs> and not cool so during basically uh how this came about is during the rutcation um the wind had forced like i mean it was howling that day i shouldn't say howling because it's been a lot worse but it was it was, it was really cold 
and it was blowing 25, 30 miles an hour. Um, so I was basically forced to hunt in an area where I was down out of the wind. Um, so while I was not frozen, um, it's just, it forced me to an area of the farm where we don't really have great encounters. Yeah, don't really ever <laughs> see, I mean, we had trail cameras there, just very, very low number of pictures. And Both even, buck and doe. And, well, and most of those pictures were doe. Um, and while I would have shot a doe at that point, um, you know, I just, it was just one of those scenarios where you're sitting in an area where you know you're not going to see anything because it's never, I mean, I've been hunting that farm since I was 12, so, and I've never encountered a deer in that spot, so, um, so I just literally felt like I was wasting my time. It was, what, about noon? Yeah. And I didn't have any other stand locations to be able to hunt the wind, so I was just going to call it what it was and go back at it the next day. Next day was supposed to be fantastic day. Um, yeah, super cold. Perfect in the wind conditions-wise, not real strong winds. I think it was calling maybe 5 to 10. So basically complete opposite of what that day was. Um, so I was on my way out of the woods back to the truck. Opposite side of the farm, saw a doe out feeding. Was going to sneak up and shoot that. And yeah, put a little ground stalk on it. And uh, while that was all taking place, I had a nice encounter with basically the buck that was on our cameras the most. Didn't know mm -hmm. it at the time, but... I yeah, didn't, you didn't realize it was that buck, did you? No, all I seen was, was a rack coming through the woods or <laughs> on through a little fence row. Saw and enough to know like, it was a shooter buck. Yep, that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up, luckily, uh, you know, I was on a knee, already crouched down, was behind a little bit of grass by the time he had even really seen me, um, which set up perfect. Like, even though, like, he did see me, but he didn't know, didn't have a slightest clue what I was. Um, so, curiosity got the best of him. Like, he, he was looking, did the old head bob, um, and then actually started working to go downwind to me, basically to do a scent check. And as he was going downwind, got perfectly broadside, basically took that opportunity to draw, um, and then got it done. Yeah. He didn't go 50. He went 50, I think, is what he went, and he fell over, so. Yeah, he was a, so it was, was a I mean, buck, too. It was, what, it was probably the more realistic buck that I was after. Same area where we had seen all the does and knew, knew that does were frequenting. Um, just didn't have a stand location. A stand really, set up. Like you said. Um, just, actually, it was kind of a spot that... We didn't really even give thought to putting a stand, which yeah, on the other side of that hindsight's always twenty twenty. There will definitely be a stand there next year. Um, so yeah, so it was it was good. I mean, like I said, I was just gonna get down and go yeah, go home. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, go you just home go. Sometimes bit. like that's one thing. I know a lot of people are all about putting in hours and stand time, but like. I truly feel that, like, if you really know that you're just not going to see anything, like, yeah, there's always that faint chance that, a, like, a nice go buck could come cruising through, but um, I like to hunt smarter and not harder. Right. Sometimes that... Take your higher probability. So, yeah, and it's just, like, you know, rutcation, family... Right, obviously, and obviously that's last, yeah, and the that's, last two days. So I mean, gotta it's get never, home. Uh, it's never an easy time for family. Um, you know, and probably my one of my biggest things, like as I go through hunting and stuff, is just that you know I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Now I have a newborn. Yeah. Um, and while I love hunting, I I love my family more than hunting. Well, that may surprise my wife sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, like, that's the that's the big thing, is I don't ever want my family to actually think that I love hunting more than I love them. And so my four-year-old was kind of, 
I could tell like he wanted to spend some time with me and stuff like that. So, yeah. so my plan was to go home and basically spend what was left of the afternoon with family. Um, you know, and then, like I said, I'd seen that deer out. So my thought process went, well, this will take 20, 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. It'll work or it won't. If it works, I'll take the morning off. Um, so yep. there was a give and take there. So, um, so ended up getting the buck and I took the whole next day off. So, <laughs> so it worked out. Um, so yeah, but I guess, uh, yeah, next we'll hit on the hunting camp and yeah. season opener, which unfortunately you didn't get to go to hunting camp. No, I had, I had to work, so. I don't know why people work, but. Yeah. Talk um, about wanting to quit your job. <laughs> but it was cool. Like, uh, I mean, we, I just started going to hunting camp with Ethan would have been what four three four three, four. four this was the fourth year um so which is really cool just something that I never really got to do growing up um like you know it was kind of just always me and my brothers yeah and your dad and my dad and then sometimes my grandfather would go with us like there was always people out hunting but like the hunting camp aspect um, you know, where you're all there the night before. Staying in the same cabin. Staying in the same cat. Yeah, you know, it's just kind of the whole night of, like, swapping stories beforehand. Yep. Just getting amped up. Um, just having a good time. It's really not, like, while it is about hunting, yes, it's, like, at the same time, it's not about the hunting. It's just it's about... fellowship and... It's just getting to hang out in the community aspect of hunting, um, which is really cool. I just... You know, it's something I really enjoy. Um, unfortunately, that's kind of the one of the, the dying aspects of hunting, especially with hunter numbers dropping. Um, so, <clears throat> but as everybody knows, obviously, at this point, um, season and opener for rifle was moved to a Saturday, which overall I thought was, <clears throat> I thought was good. Um, definitely allows people an opportunity to get out. Um, sounds like next year that Sunday that they're going to implement is going to be the first Sunday. So it'll be Saturday. That would be my guess. Yeah, it'll be Saturday. Basically, you can hunt Saturday, Sunday, Monday, like all the way through. Um, so I thought, I thought that was a really good move, um, which I had kind of always been in favor of that. I'm not a traditionalist. I know there are some out there, yeah. but... Most of those are just old people that have a hard time with change. I mean, the nice thing about it is it, for those of us that have to work, it creates just one more opportunity to get out there in the woods. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of us have those jobs that are Monday to Friday, but there are people that work Saturdays as well. And that's the thing, well, like, and, if you only get, let's say you only get a week, especially if you yeah. only get a week, you're definitely probably not taking any vacation time to go hunting. Um, that's probably right. spent on an actual vacation, um, or even two weeks. Like you already burn, you usually burn up a week with your vacation, and then you save a couple days. So you might, some yeah. people might, um, you know, be able to use Put one a of day those. or two in there. But but overall, I thought it was good. The only thing that I personally didn't like was that it was it's just too close to the holiday. Um. The way our hunting camp usually works is, like, we usually all go up Black Friday um, and set up stands, which, I mean, still took place, um, you know, but then you're hunting right away on Saturday, which, while I would like to have some time for the woods to settle down, like, that's that's not as big a concern. Um, the part that makes it tough is, like, <coughs> excuse me, for my family... Like that weekend after Thanksgiving, we usually take, um, do our, go get our Christmas tree. Like we like to go cut one down, yep. take that weekend, we'll set it up, do all that good stuff. So now, like now the tough part is all that's really rushed, trying to find basically a time to fit that in. Um, like I didn't go, basically instead of going and hanging a stand on Black Friday, I went and did Christmas tree stuff. So then Saturday, I went and just went in blind to hang a stand, um, <clears throat> which did bite me in the butt a little bit. Yeah. I didn't have very good... I mean, the nice thing is, is you kind of... <clears throat> you went to the same place we had hunted during our, the rutcation there up on up in the mountains, and 
I mean, you had an idea of where you wanted to yeah, be. Yeah, well, the but spot, it, the spot that finding, I was going, I hunted finding the tree. two years ago, um, which unfortunately I had got a new phone between now and then, because usually I save, basically any spot that I think is decent, I save on, uh, on, X. on X. So I didn't have that, unfortunately, otherwise I would have been okay. And I found the same area, I just, I actually think the tree that I had sat in the year last year um there was another tree leaning up on it like had fallen over into it and i think i'm pretty sure that that's the tree i'd sat in before <clears throat> which already had shooting lanes cleared out and all that so my original plan was to go right back to that same tree and be okay but it is what it is um you know nonetheless i just think um you know, if they could move that opener, keep it on a Saturday. I'm totally fine with that, but move it a week later. Yeah. Um, so it's the week after Thanksgiving. Um, it r- really won't affect anything, um, at least to my knowledge. Rifle season's not actually built around anything, like whereas archery season's kind of built around the rut. Right. Rifle, rifle season's not really built around anything. Um, it's I mean, new. I think the... <clears throat> you have the quote-unquote second rut that you can hit. Well, that... Which the, is usually falls the second week anyway, so if you bump it all back, you're still getting that. The idea being people are already off for Thanksgiving, so, you know... That's true. Extend, yeah. the, extend the, you know, for those, for the kids in school or in college, extend the break an extra day or two and put them giving them them the opportunity to get out as well and i think that's part of it as well as it's just kind of the way it's always been and i can't imagine they're gonna make well and like crazy changes like that like that's Um, the thing is though is too is people who hunt most of them do have families um so like therefore anybody who's doing any kind of traveling for thanksgiving um, or as any kind of just family stuff that they generally do since rifle season used to always come in on a Monday. You have that whole weekend that people would to have travel to do back. stuff. Um, now you lose all that. Yeah. So it's just, I just think it'd be a smart move to move it a week later. You can't move it up just on a, like a lot of the other, there's a lot of other areas that have extended archery seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would run interference with that. Um, so, I mean, it just makes more sense just to move it back a week. I have no problem with it, but I don't love rifle hunting. I don't have the same passion. It's fun, yeah. don't get me wrong, but I would rather kill kill with a bow. Kill with a bow. So. Yeah, I mean, I only got out for I think a total of five hours for rifle season. I mean, I worked the first weekend. Snuck out a little bit in the afternoon to my little piece of state game lands that I had a little bit of knowledge of, but not great, and kind of just hoping for the best. Second weekend, I made it out for, I think, an hour and a half, just due to other obligations. I worked that weekend as well. And the last Saturday, I didn't even make it out. We had some family come in, and we're doing doing some Christmas stuff with them since they won't be back for the actual Christmas they weren't going to be back for the actual Christmas holiday and I mean it. you gotta pick your take your priorities and family definitely comes first so it's like yeah, yeah it's just yeah. yeah I mean it's like you said while we love hunting I mean we love our families more and the hard part is the hard balance becomes we see our families year we can see family year round we can only hunt for two months yeah there's there's <laughs> so you gotta give and take there so um, you gotta play it right so but at any rate all for the saturday hunting to just try and get more hunters out there yeah i think the sunday hunting's gonna help even though it's only gonna be three days total um you know a, a start to start yeah um you know i guess and along that thought process with the hunter numbers like a lot of the complaints that you see are deer numbers um, which is actually, it's not so much deer numbers, but deer sightings, I guess. Cause like, as far as deer numbers are concerned from the scientific standpoint, we have more deer now than we've had before. Yep. People just aren't seeing as many. Just, <laughs> I mean, it's just because 
hunters aren't there's not as many hunters out that's that's scientific fact too there's not near as many um at one point there was like 1.3 million rifle like hunters in pennsylvania and now we're down to it's either seven or five hundred thousand seven hundred or five hundred thousand so and that was i think the 1.3 was in the 1980s i believe um so like yeah numbers are dropping but you know i guess the other nice part about the saturday um you know the saturday opener if they can put that sunday sunday in there as well is like hopefully the guys will see more deer um because sometimes like i think it's a little bit naive to to go out hunt one day and expect to see right 20 30 deer i mean i know guys used to do that but there's not people. And there are a lot of people who only around. get out that first Saturday. Well, this year first Saturday, Monday, or but previously only you know the opening day or two because of work and other obligations. So, yeah, by so implementing that can, Sunday, now you it'll can give stack them, a couple of days. Hopefully, yeah, adjust hopefully get some knowledge going in there. And, but just yeah. some some food for thought. People can't. You can only get so upset for not being able to harvest the deer in one day. Like, let's think about that. Yeah, I Go mean, out, it's, it's frustrating, one day but... and expect to kill a deer is... Some area... I mean, granted, some areas there are pockets of deer, and you can do that, but... Yeah. You got to be realistic at the same time. Well, and if you're going to... If you're going to go out one day and try and harvest a deer, take take your higher odds and put in for a doe tag and go out when you can shoot either, or... Yeah. Don't go out and expect to... Yes. Go out one day and and slay a, you know, a stud buck, but yeah, but yeah. At any rate, um, yeah, we'll just kind of move on from that topic. Uh, but along the aspect of like hunter numbers and that sort of thing, um, you know, we we're we're at a time where, you know, every number matters. And at the same time, like how we're portraying hunting and all that sort of thing also matters much more. So I'm sure everybody is familiar with the video of the Brookville kids where they're basically like kicking the deer and doing all that nonsense, which is just unreal, Um, which I'm not really going to like harp on it. Um, But like, I just wanted to touch on like, an aspect that I see a lot of people missing is like, yes, these kids deserve punishment. Um, all for that, not saying they shouldn't be punished in any way, shape or form. Um, but everybody's overlooking like just like there's kind of a hunting and parenting aspect that's missing there. Um, like somebody had to introduce these kids to the outdoors and to hunting and um, teach them what it's about you know obviously we don't know the issues that's going on there parenting wise um, but I'll just leave it at there's a parenting issue there um, and touch more on the sportsman's aspect like like somebody introduced them to hunting to the outdoors um, and there was like a ball drop there big time on like the actual respect Aspect. animal yeah um i mean you there there are so many things like obviously they're not actually following like hunting regulations like not not adequate orange is like one of the charges that the game commission is trying to draw up uh, I mean, but you have that but you have like a lack of preparedness like they claim they didn't have a knife or anything they apparently claim they didn't have any more bullets and it's just like so you have those two issues you have an ill-placed shot which I get it, like it happens. Um, which I wouldn't be surprised, like in this case, if that did happen. I mean, it would just be really. Yeah, I mean, that deer could have been running and. So it's just I like, mean, I mean, like in my mind, there's so many things that like people are not kind of mentioning that are important. Like, that's like, it's just obviously there's not much we can do about their scenario, but it's a good, like, talking point good learning point like takeaway for everybody is like a 
obviously take the time to introduce people to the outdoors but when you do it like make sure you're actually teaching and portraying like respect preparedness all of that stuff yeah i mean when it comes down to it bottom line is you're within hunting the your actual primary goal is to take a life and provide for your family and friends and I guess the big thing is you have to remember that you are, in fact, taking a life. It may not be a human life, but you are still... That animal will not be breathing when you are done. And that is... That's kind of like a... Not heavy, but it's definitely something to be mindful of. And, I mean, you have to be respectful. You want to honor that animal and make sure that... I mean, yeah, there's a chance that they're death in the wild would have been a lot more cruel than that if you know i'd say a couple of coyotes got that deer and it had a slow agonizing death but at the same time that is definitely not the fastest most humane way to harvest an animal and that's what you should be out there to do as a hunter and as an outdoorsman is harvest it in the fastest most humane way possible to i mean I don't know. That's kind of my my take on it. Yeah, and it's just, like, it's easier to do it with a rifle. Like, usually, more times than not, you're a lot further away from it. Until you get up to it, it's dead. Like, you're not actually, like, really there watching it die, like, watching that process. Um, But if you ever um, shoot one and it doesn't die right away, like, that's a difficult thing to deal with. And it's just... You know, obviously we wouldn't we wouldn't want to go that way. We don't want the animal to go that way. Like we want it to be a quick process. Nature can be cruel enough, right? Um, so it's just you know it's a responsible thing. Obviously the respect aspect, just like you know, yeah, getting it done quick, quickly, efficiently, um, and even after the kill, just like actually respecting the animal. Um, like, for me personally, like, I have Native American background. Not not a super significant amount, but enough to have me, like, intrigued by it. So, like, I, you know, when I was kind of got into hunting, and even a little bit more this year, like, I studied, studied up on, like, some of the, like, Native American, like, traditions. Um, like, basically how they would respect the kill and, like, allow that animal to live on. Uh, which was kind of cool. Like there was a there's a lot of different stuff. Like uh, some of them would let smoke. Uh, is it ayahuasca? Is that how you say? No, it? I don't know. Sure. Uh, <laughs> the uh, it's like a psychedelic drug. Um, so they they would basically smoke that before they would go hunting to become like in tune with nature and that sort of thing. Um, some of them would do like these. It wasn't like a week might have been like a week-long thing like they would fast they would like be abstinent and like do all this different stuff to like just become more in tune with nature um a lot of people know about like how they used to like cut out the liver they would take a bite of the liver um which i'm from what i can gather is just kind of this concept of like life gives life which is like which that's like the big aspect of like hunting that I like is that like life gives life um, we're not vegetarians so far from it uh, yes um, especially in my late. case I hate vegetables um, <laughs> so like it's you know it's a it's a reality like it, lives have to be taken to give life and it's just like I think that that's part of the dominion over the earth that we get um, so but at any rate like you know just something just some food for thought like one of the things that I like to do after I kill a a deer um, or an animal is like I dude like I say a little prayer give thanks Mm -hmm. Um, you know it's that animal didn't necessarily give its life but it did yeah same like it gave its life and through through its life like I get the sustenance and the nourishment Mm -hmm. to continue to live hopefully a long healthy life right so just yeah some some food for thought i just yeah. i feel like that is something that is very important to hit on um because like 
now that hunter numbers are dropping, or I shouldn't say now that they're dropping, they've been dropping, but like it's eventually going to get to a point to where it's, it's going to like, unfortunately, just because we live in a very like society becomes faster paced every year. Yeah. That does not help our community grow. So it's not. Yeah. And it's just like, like people are looking at us, like seeing the pictures we're posting, seeing the videos we're posting. And it's just like, you know, stuff like that leaves a bad taste in their mouth. And like another thing that I've seen recently, which I get it, like it, it strikes me as more of a millennial thing. I don't even like to use that term because I am a millennial, but yeah. <laughs> but like, just like the picture of people laying next to a deer that they killed, like taking a selfie with it. Like I kind of see the aspect of fun. I see the draw to it, I guess, for people like how they because they're taking it, making it fun, which I'm. Obviously, any way you can make hunting fun, but, like, in my mind... Do it in a respectful manner. In my mind, it's very degrading to the animal. Um, you know, just, I mean, like, somebody kills me and comes up, lays next to me and takes a selfie with, with right. my dead body. Like, it's just... I mean, I guess part of, I guess, I don't know, my big thing for the whole video thing that happened is it takes a lot to undo that type of quote-unquote reputation that a lot of hunters just gained i mean that video made it i mean joe rogan talked about it cameron haynes talked about it john dudley talked about it that made it all the way across the country to a lot of people who would have otherwise not been talking about hunting in pennsylvania um and that's they don't ever hear about you know the person who had a 40 yard shot at a perfectly broadside buck but because there was a sapling or two in the way they decided not to take it because it wasn't a high percentage shot and waited for a more ethical shot to take or you know one that was quartering away or quartering two and couldn't didn't have 100% confidence so they let that bow back down or you know that those stories don't make it into the national news whereas stuff like that does yeah. And it, I mean, we're in a world today that loves drama and yes, it definitely shows and that will be drama for hunting for the next however long until people forget about it, which won't be fast, unfortunately. Yeah. So just, it's all important. I mean, yeah, like obviously we want hunter recruitment wherever we can need to be respectful for whatever we can like fortunately guys like joe rogan and cameron haynes and all of those guys are doing a lot for hunting talk about um, being in the spotlight they and... have gotten numerous people into hunting that um didn't hunt before mm-hmm. were vegetarians um like all that fortunately there's kind of a movement of like the field to table like people yeah. people want to know where their food came from because obviously like factory farming's not an ideal process so they got to figure something out so hunting fortunately is a <laughs> a great alternative you're getting organic meat you know where it came from yep um you know you're not basically putting all the killing off onto somebody else to do but you're you're embracing it you know being responsible with it and mm-hmm. that sort of thing so yeah just i just think it's a lot of good stuff to just really keep in the back of your mind um you know sometimes your hunt is about more than just you um so it's just obviously a lot of people you know are already doing a fantastic job with respect and that sort of thing but just yep gotta put it out there yeah for i guess to uh kind of there might be one person that oh i never really thought about that yeah that way I guess to change gears a little, yeah. going into late season. Um, the fun stuff. Yeah, sitting in the cold. Not so fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, what's nice is, at least for you, you have your buck down. You have one doe tag left to fill. Um, uh, now that and that'll be another kiddo, that's... Yep. Uh, my and expectations of filling that are about <laughs> a zero. Yeah. Thankfully, I filled all my doe tags in regular archery season so all i have left is my buck tag and right now we're at the point where we don't necessarily need the meat for the year um with three in the freezer already 
it will definitely be a you know go out if the right mature buck walks by okay otherwise I will pass most anything that walks in front of me um, it'll all kind of treat the late season as a learning experience and try and get a little better knowledge of what the deer are doing and do kind of treat it as some scouting as well get out there do a little hiking see if we can't learn some new spots and train and all that fun stuff I don't know um, yeah I'll probably just be doing small game hunting where I can yeah which is always which is scouting. always fun <laughs> yeah um, so we'll see what happens there. Hopefully, hopefully something good walks in front of me. But if not, hopefully get a lot of learning. And then I think we're both looking to do uh, school and knock, knock yeah. here. Hopefully starting that before too long. Um, probably right after either call it quits for late season or late season actually ends. Fire that up and try and get some better technique and become better archers through the process yeah, and go which from there. i guess to throw a plug out like anybody who doesn't know what school knock is or knock on yeah. any of that good stuff ran by john dudley was uh olympian, olympian archer yeah and archer for the united states just all around awesome uh, dude. obviously he can <laughs> shoot um but actually probably the thing that i like the most is he's really good at teaching yeah <clears throat> and he's good at breaking it down to anybody's yeah. level of expertise. He if just you are is a very natural teacher. Yeah, if you've um, been shooting for 25 years and have great form already, he'll give you some little things to tweak or if you have terrible form, he will find a way to help you break those bad habits and increase your accuracy and ability to yeah. harvest an animal which is what i mean we like we're already pretty accurate not to toot our own horn um but i mean we made huge strides oh my gosh i made a ton the, of strides this year yeah this year um so now we're just looking to take it that much further like we shot and really fine-tune we shot a couple shots this year out at 100 yards which like at that point, it was just kind of like, okay, we're hitting. The, Let's see if we can do it. <laughs> we are hitting the target, not necessarily like an actual aiming point, and like not not really like a specific circle. Like we're yeah, just, we're just shooting for the like sixteen by sixteen target. Oh, I was just shooting for. <clears throat> I would blank bailing, baby. So uh, if I could, if I could hit the bail, I was so, happy. So, <laughs> but like with school and not like like Andy was saying, depending on what level you're at, like there's definitely going to be something you can take away from it. Um, I mean, it's just going to make you a better archer all around, you know, your actual form hold, um, the way you grip the bow, <clears throat> any kind of like target panic issues, it'd be helpful for that. Um, you know, we're probably going to cover, cover the process of us going through it um, <clears throat> a little bit hopefully be some visible changes we'll probably yeah film some stuff Shoot. like shooting form going in <clears throat> excuse me shooting form going in at like basically show what our groups are and then kind of document that as we're going through yeah um and that sort of thing and then which there. is all a bigger build up to Total archery Our challenge. springtime goal of yeah. Total Archery Challenge, which is... Seven what? Springs. Seven Springs out by Pittsburgh Pittsburgh area. Yeah. yeah. We are... I'm definitely trying to go to that. Hopefully, it'll work out, work in family-wise. We'll have a, a kiddo at that point, so hopefully that works and can get out there, if not for all, for every day, at least a day or two of it. Yeah. Um, I guess there's going to be a knock-on course there and a couple other good courses. So definitely, yeah, if you're looking to expand your shooting a little bit. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, anybody who doesn't know about that, 3D course, I mean, you're looking at ranges. I what, think they start at 30? 20 to like 100. Yeah, and, and, then it's, to, and then some of them, they have like a fun target that's at yep. like 200. Um, so you can shoot at that just to see how well you'll do, which I won't even try it. I mean, really, it's what's cool is a lot of them are, I mean, not necessarily fully realistic, but 
an actual yeah they set they up, set it they up set in the woods and shots. yep you know you may have a 60 yard shot between a handful of trees and your biggest window is six inches wide and you had to sneak one through and yeah it's not you know it's, it's not your mama's 3d shoot no and what's what's nice is it's i mean they don't actually keep score so really you're just out there to to have fun test your skills hopefully learn a thing or two and you know learn how to shoot at those different angles where you are at a steep down or steep up at you know an animal if you're going to go do a big sheep hunt or something and you had that shot it would hopefully give you a little background knowledge on what you're looking at for doing that and um what else are they gonna i think they have they do a steel target yeah they do a steel target with like a two inch hole and but there's also also tons of vendors and all that sort of stuff so good community um like oh yeah i mean like obviously there's tons of of people who hunt that go to those things so um you know you get to meet up with people and do that sort of thing which hopefully um Hopefully we'll get a chance to meet some people that we've connected with on Instagram and, and yeah, all that Yeah, as well stuff. as meet some people that, you know, we kind of look up to in the hunting community. Like I said, I know they're going to have a knock-on course, and John Dudley said he would be there. And so hopefully he comes, and, you know, there's a couple other people I'm hoping that will be there, and we'll get the chance to kind of meet them. Unfortunately, we probably won't get a chance to actually sit down and talk to them, but at least, you know, meet them and kind of go that route and be a good time yeah i think i think that's about it yeah just wrap up with a uh, a big old good luck to anybody that's out yet in late season yep um fill your tags fill your freezer yeah dress warm although that's right not, now, not bad. too bad so hopefully out right now which is good and bad hopefully the weather will keep up and yeah good luck and shoot straight yes sir Later.